Hold up. Hello and welcome to this edition of Outside the Box Score. I am your host, Jonathan Michael, and as always, I will be joined by my co-host, the marvelous Joey Thompson, in just a few minutes. But before we get started, I want to mention to you that this podcast is brought to you by Rakuten. Rakuten is as easy as one, two, three. You start by going to Rakuten's website and find your store. These are the stores that you normally shop at. Macy's, eBay, Kohl's, Old Navy, Lululemon, Nike, Gap, Adidas, Levi's, Crocs. There's too many to mention, folks, but you go through Rakuten, you shop on their websites as usual. That's step number two. And number three is you get paid because you're earning cash back. You get paid via PayPal or check. Simple as doing the shopping that you already do at the places you already do it for the prices that you already pay, and you get paid to do it. How simple is that? Up to 15% cash back. And when you sign up through our special link in the podcast description, you'll get rewarded. Get $10, folks, just for signing up. So why not give it a try? Also, want to mention to follow along with us on Twitter. You can find us at J-M-O-T-B pod at M-T-O-T-B pod. We'd love to interact with you there. Also find me writing in various places on the internet, sharing blogs, sharing other thoughts on the issues that will all be shared via Twitter. We only do this once a week, but there is more content that we're putting out and you can find it there. Without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Let's kick off our first quarter and talk about a pending rebuild in the Windy City. So the Chicago Bears lost again. Not surprising. They likely won't win another game this season. They're on a six-game losing streak. Look at the schedule. Packers, Vikings, Jaguars. Texans, I really don't see him beating any of the teams. But how it's happening is more interesting than you would think. The offense shows up and scores 30 points, and the defense gives up 34. I don't think I'll be the first one to tell you this. I think you've heard it before. But the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Chicago Bears have been using the same formula since 1985. Let's build the defense and just kind of put some sort of offense together and see how it works. We'll win on defense. Well, Brian Urlacher was great, but if you look at the analytics, it's worth like a point, if that, all-time Hall of Famer. Defense is complementary. Offense is the league. So unless the Chicago Bears are willing to pivot from the way that they traditionally do things, it doesn't matter who they hire, who their next coach is, who their next general manager is. That's the question on the street. What are the Bears going to do now? We know Ryan Pace is out. We know Matt Nagy has to go. But who's next? doesn't matter unless they blow this thing up, unless they fix it from the ground up. This defense, Khalil Mack, trade him. Kyle Fuller, trade him. Robert Quinn, trade him. You have to trade off this. Akeem Hicks, you have to trade off the whole thing. And I know Chicago Bears fans listening aren't going to like this. We went on defense. This is how we do things in Chicago. Maybe you say, you know, make the Bears defense great again. Well, Chicago Bears were never really great except 1985. They won one Super Bowl. That doesn't make you great. That makes you a one-hit wonder. So unless they look at things differently, unless they bring in innovation and change, like the rest of the world, like the offenses of the NFL, like the Mahomes, like the Andy Reeds, and change the focus and change the structure of this franchise, I don't care who they hire. I don't care who their general manager is. Nothing is going to change. I'm advocating for a full and entire rebuild because if you have a house like they do, built on sand, without a foundation, with rotting structure, with nothing 
to advertise, it's not going to work. And defense is a side dish. It's not the meat of the entree anymore. And it's just not going to happen in Chicago unless they change how they do things. Marv, I'm looking at these Chicago Bears, and they need to go into a full rebuild. And I think part of that rebuild is I talk a little bit about structure, building the team up. I know we talked in previous weeks about O-line and how much that matters. I use the slogan, O-line matters. I don't think that the Bears should even look at drafting a quarterback this year because you have the top two guys, Fields and Lawrence. They're going to go one and two in the draft, regardless of who those teams are. And then I go to the next guys. I know you are in a situation, you're a Denver Bronco fan. Your team's going to be in the top five along with the Chicago Bears or somewhere around there, top 10. You're looking at quarterbacks. Drew Locke is struggling for the Broncos. I want to know if you put your general manager hat on, you put your strategic planning towards building a franchise, whether you're the Broncos or someone else like the Bears, are you going to take a flyer on a quarterback in the top five here? Where are we going with the draft? If I'm a general manager in the league and I have a top five pick and I have no chance of getting Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, I'm going all in uh, Panay Sewell, the left tackle out of Oregon. This guy is a physical specimen. He's a monster. He's one of those generational left tackles that you rarely see, kind of like a Joe Thomas, a guy that just jumps out of the charts when he comes and uh, works out for you. That's that type of guy. He's getting a lot of hype. He has really good uh, footwork, uh, good size. He's about 6'6", 325 pounds. The guy can move with the best of them. This guy's just an athletic beast. And that's the type of guy you build a foundation around. You build a team around. A team, something like the Bears, could use a guy like this. Uh, as we've seen, the Bears' offensive line has been a laughing stock of the league, uh, especially in the last play against the Lions. We saw, had they had a better blocking, possibly the Bears would have won that game. But the guys, uh, the Lions blitzed, got through the line, and were able to sack Trubisky and force a fumble, which led to a Detroit Lions touchdown. So if I'm any team in the league and I'm a GM for one of those teams in the top five, I do anything I can to get my hands on Panay Sewell. That's the type of guy that will help change a franchise around. Uh, currently a team like the Bengals will be in good position to get that guy because the Bengals already have the franchise quarterback and they lack offensive line. So I, I would go all in on Panay Sewell. You know, that's interesting. You're talking about building that foundation. That is the uh, same thing that I was talking about. If you remember previous episode, I talked about the Bears and I said once they lost James Daniels in the interior, the season was over. That was it. Uh, uh, you can't win without offensive line. It, it really does matter in the league. And with Sewell, you're adding somebody really valuable to your franchise. There's a couple thoughts I have on that. You get a left tackle. And that really anchors your offensive line. You build around that. And it just secures a position, like you said, for maybe 10 years. Another thing that I, I would want to look at, too, rather than maybe reaching for a quarterback. So I want to talk about those quarterbacks in a minute where you might look at drafting them, who you like. But when I look at the Bears compared to where the way some um, other franchises have built, drafting is really hard. So it's easy for us to sit here and criticize other people for how they drafted and these general managers and the mistakes they made. What does Bill Belichick do though? He continues to trade down. He accumulates 12 picks a draft because he knows he's going to screw up at least half of them. The smartest guy in the NFL is going to screw up at least half of his draft picks and he can't draft a wide receiver to save his life. So this is hard stuff here. Whereas the bears were constantly trading up to get the one player. I think it's a war of attrition. I think it's something that, People need to look at a drafting philosophy to say, we're going to miss a lot, so let's accumulate picks. So when I talk about trading away the Bears players, it's a two-pronged approach. One, you just need extra picks. So I don't care if you get a third rounder for Kyle Fuller or a second rounder or a fourth rounder. It, it, it doesn't matter. You have to get rid of these old players because they're tired. They're giving up. They're 30, 32, 33. They're giving up their 
prime years and they're playing for nothing. And you have to rebuild. You have to find some somebody young and you have to have a lot of chances to do that because this is like Jets territory right now. But uh, Marv, you look like you have some thoughts on it. So I'm going to turn this back over to you. See, you're talking about blowing it up. That gave me a really good idea. The Dolphins set up a perfect example of how to do that. They got rid of all their guys on defense. They got rid of really talented players. They stockpiled first-round picks, second-round picks, third-round picks, a bunch of picks, and they were bad for a whole season. They got their quarterback with one of their top first-round picks. This upcoming season, they're going to have another top-10 pick, thanks to Houston, for a guy that they weren't going to resign. Also, they ended up with Pittsburgh's first-round pick. Also, uh, Houston's second-round pick, which is also going to be very valuable. So I feel like the Dolphins set a really good example on how to do that in the NFL today. And I think the Bears would do really well if they follow that same method of rebuilding. Trade everyone for the highest bit to the highest bidder, get as many picks as you can, and just draft a bunch of guys and see which ones stick. I think that would be the best way to handle things. And never know if you if the players all uh stick together and and they all, um, how I say, come in and the pieces of the puzzle work, then you'll be an instant playoff team again, similar to what the Dolphins are are doing early on in this season uh, for 2020. And look at how well the Dolphins are doing, like, immediately. It took one year, and they got their quarterback pick, which I don't think there are a lot of quarterbacks available. And part of what you mentioned brings up another thought for me. Part of getting rid of the guys is not only their age, because I think a team like Chicago is two to three years off from being a contender again. Although if you have all those picks, maybe it's one to two. And and, and part of it's just resetting the culture. The Bears have been losers for 25 years since 1985. They haven't been a good football team. So when Chicago fans get all nostalgic about having these good defenses like Brian Urlacher and Charles Tillman, and they were great players, but show me what you won, bro. I didn't, I didn't see any wins there. You know, you made one Super Bowl. Good for you. So did a lot of other teams. So Bears fans may throw a lot of shade and, and may give me a lot of hate for uh, trashing defense or not thinking about things the traditional way, but uh, it wasn't really working anyways. And, and with uh, sympathy for Bears fans, when you've been abused in this abusive relationship, you can't expect them to be experts on matter at hand because – when you haven't seen a good quarterback, you haven't seen a good offense for 25 years, this is what happens. Marv, speaking of quarterbacks, I just want to wrap this up by asking you, the quarterbacks beyond the top two, you're going to go offensive line, you're going to go elsewhere is what you told us. Where might you look at taking one of these next quarterbacks and who do you like in the draft beyond the top two? If I'm a team sitting at number 10 and I need a quarterback, I'm going all in on Zach Wilson. Uh, this guy has been really good for the BYU Tigers. Uh, he has all the measurables. He has a really good arm. Uh, he struggled this past week a little bit versus uh, Coastal Carolina. But that's expected from all these young guys. Uh, the pressure is on. But I think if he gets drafted into the a really good situation with a good offensive coordinator, he will be hands down the third best quarterback coming out of the draft next year. And that's that's who I would uh, focus on if I'm one of those teams drafted, let's say, in the range of 7 to 10 and really need a quarterback. That's the guy I'm targeting. So I was really disappointed with Zach Wilson. I watched the whole second half. I watched every offensive play for BYU very closely. And I came into the game quite high on Zach Wilson, but this was the best competition he faced, believe it or not, Coastal Carolina. They're, they're a good football team. They play hard. They're in the top 15. I think they probably jumped up a little bit after that win. They're still undefeated. But I will say this. Even though I left a little discouraged in watching him, I agree with you in the sense that if it's the right situation and one team I have my eye on that's in the top 10 that could really build him up because he's a project is the Washington football team. Start Alex Smith. Alex Smith is the ultimate bridge quarterback. And just let him learn. Similar styles of play, similar attitudes, similar moxie, I think. Um, he's a more athletic, better arm version of Alex Smith. 
it's kind of what we talked about with Mahomes. Now he's no Mahomes, but uh, we are going to get into our second quarter as we talk about news out of Philadelphia and the Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles have decided to bench Carson Wentz next week as they will give Jalen Hurts the nod to start at quarterback. Wow, this is truly amazing to me. So much invested, just made the playoffs last year. Played well in the playoffs. Carson Wentz was throwing to nobody XFL former player Greg Ward was a quarterback. I don't know. He had nothing out there and he was carrying the football team. And here we are just over a half a year later, all that investment gone. They said, we're done with him. It's interesting because everybody's involved in the market. Now you have Robin hood, you have Weeble, everybody's opening up an account. They're trading stocks. And there's a saying, you don't lose until you sell. And the Eagles just sold Carson Wentz. They told the rest of the league, he's not our guy. Where's his trade value now? What are they going to do with him? Gave him a contract extension? Where are they going to go with that? I don't understand what the Philadelphia Eagles were thinking. So much invested. They cut the plug, cut the cord so quickly. Marv, I look at the Eagles, and there's a lot going on in this situation. I think it's really hard to just put all the blame on Carson Wentz, but they're done with him. They've sent a strong signal. They're selling. That's it. We're done here. Um, hurting his trade value. Where do they go from here? This is a really tough situation that's going down in Philadelphia. I had a feeling this uh, was going to end up happening when the Eagles decided to draft Jalen Hurts in the second round. At the time, Eagles found uh, Eagles fans, excuse me, were they were dumbfounded. They were like, "Why are we taking a quarterback this high when we don't need one?" Fast forward to December six, two thousand twenty. The Eagles have benched Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts played the rest of the second half. A lot of those Eagles fans are now praising God, basically thanking him that Carson Wentz got benched. It's crazy how times have changed over the last few months where Eagles fans were like, Carson Wentz, you know, they were basically calling him the second coming of Jesus, and they were all high on this high horse. And he came out, he's had a few bad games, but I don't blame it all on him. I've been watching Carson Wentz play. He barely has any time to throw the ball. Their whole offensive line is on IR. They're playing a bunch of guys off the street from the practice squad. They have a 39-year-old left tackle. It's pretty bad. His receivers are finally getting healthy again. And you can tell that their uh, starting receiver, he's he, he doesn't seem happy, and he's not even trying to play. Uh, forget his name because he hasn't played in so long. Uh, Rieger, Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey, there you go. Alshon Jeffrey looks <laughs> like a guy. He, I mean, in the offseason, he was complaining. He wanted to force his way out of Philadelphia. Eagles never granted that trade. No one wanted him, so he's stuck. He hasn't done anything. Look, you could tell that he's kind of like AJ Green it right now. He's just running, he's just running routes and not even trying to catch the ball. Then you got Rieger. Rieger is their second best receiver. They drafted him in the first round. He hasn't done anything. Uh, he's been hurt. So oh, and also he lost Ertz for the season. He just got Golder back the last two to three weeks. I mean, how do you expect your quarterback to do anything if he has no one to throw the ball to? He was playing with fifth-string running backs at one point. Uh, Sanders is always hurt as well. It's It was just a they're, – they're in a similar situation to what the Denver Broncos were, where everyone was hurt except the quarterback. And guess what? The, the highest-paid player always takes the, the heat. The quarterback always takes the heat. And this is who's taking – this is a scapegoat for the Eagles. Since Peterson's trying to save his job, Carson Wentz has taken a fall, and I think this is going to have some financial ramifications because if the Eagles decide to get rid of him, it's going to cost them a lot of money, and they're going to have no flexibility in the cap to get their team better around Hurts. So it's going to take 
some really good drafting in the next couple of years until that salary cap uh, dead money hold falls off of the cap if they decide to move on from Carson Wentz. You bring up some good points there because, as we all know, Carson Wentz is playing very poorly. He is the 27th overall in QBR. He looks completely lost out there. But he hasn't gotten the support. And not only has he not gotten the support, as you mentioned, he's gotten the opposite of support. He goes out. He's playing MVP level. They win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Everybody loves Nick Foles. They put up a statue of Nick Foles. You're the, imagine being the franchise quarterback, and they put up a statue of your backup. And then after that gets behind you, Nick Foles is out of town. You're all clear. Instead of getting you help, whether it be offense or defense, franchise quarterbacks need help. They take their second-round pick, and they draft Jalen Hurts. So the moment that you start struggling a little bit this season with the bad offensive line that you mentioned, with the lack of receiving core uh, to support you, after you, one thing you didn't mention, uh, Marquise Goodwin, that they traded for to help him out, he opted out. So first day, we know how Philadelphia is, very unforgiving, very grumpy. Very sad place to live, at least the, based on the way people act there. It seems like unhappy. Um, everybody's calling for his job like by week four. No appreciation for somebody who had potential of being an elite franchise quarterback, and he still does. Um, Marv, you mentioned the contract situation. Now, once you bench him to me, you're saying – we're done with him. You tanked his trade value as well, which I don't know why you did that. What? Where do they go from here? Are they going to trade him? Are they going to pay their backup quarterback a huge extension? I just don't see a way you can go back to him. What's going to happen? Once you bench a guy that makes that much money, there is no way you're keeping him. I see it being kind of like a Joe Flacco situation where the Ravens uh, basically bit the bullet and paid his contract and just traded him. I remember when the Ravens originally traded Joe Flacco for a fourth-round pick. They bit the bullet, and basically, I believe they took a uh, dead cap hit of about $21 million. In the Eagles' case, it's a lot more than $21 million. I'm talking about $59 million. It's something crazy. I'm not sure the exact – you got the exact numbers there, uh, Jonathan? Uh, the exact numbers on the contract, I know they're going to be paying him over $50 million for the, the if, if they cut him, basically, they'll be paying him $50 million, uh, $52 million over next season. And then the next, the following season, it becomes $25 million. There's a little bit more flexibility when they trade him, but it's really cap. Uh, I'm sorry, it's really cash, not cap. So those cap numbers are pretty much set in stone. What they can do is save cash against their cash flow statement here, basically putting more money in the owner's pocket as opposed to the team, you know, doing anything to help the team. That's my understanding. Perfect. Yeah. And I know there's an out, an easier out in 2022, but I mean, you never, you don't keep a high price backup on your team for a full season. And there's a lot of teams in the NFL that need quarterbacks. And I'm sure there's going to be a team out there that's going to want him. And as you mentioned, he's still a talented young player. One bad season doesn't really, how I say, make a whole career. I mean, I've seen guys who've had really bad seasons and then they turn out to be a Hall of Famer, like Steve Young, for example. He played for the Buccaneers for a few years. He was really bad got traded to the 49ers, and he's a Hall of Famer. He's won a few Super Bowls. I mean, I've seen crazier things happen. Carson Wentz has the tools. I just feel like he's being the scapegoat, and he's taking a fall for Doug Peterson and his shortcomings with the offense because, I mean, who else to blame? And he's trying to save his job, and so we're going to see how this turns out for the Eagles. They're currently, I believe, three – eight and one, which is, believe it or not, they're still alive to make the playoffs and win their division because that's how bad the <laughs> NFC East is. So this is one last Hail Mary for Doug Peterson and the Eagles to try to salvage uh, Doug Peterson's job. 
And one of the biggest problems here, one of the things I advocate against constantly when you talk about Doug Peterson, uh, Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning coach. I would prefer that the owner let him do his job. There are rumors and reports, uh, specifically from The Athletic, a very respected sports journalism outlet. They do their homework. They do their research. Jeffrey Lurie, who's largely regarded as a, a high-quality owner, but he's telling Doug Peterson that he needs to get new ideas and bring in new people. Like Maybe let the coach coach and you let yourself own the football team. Doug Peterson won Super Bowl. He might know what he's doing. He did it with a backup quarterback too. Part of the problem is so many injuries. But Marv, you mentioned uh, the salary cap situation. We discussed that a little bit. It looks to me like they have to trade him. So I'm going to float a crazy trade idea. Maybe you have some others, but I think it would make sense because if you are picking up, by the way, if you're picking up his salary, if I'm picking up Carson Wentz's salary as a team, it, it would largely be equivalent to a Teddy Bridgewater type deal. You're paying just over $20 million a year over four years because the Eagles ate a lot of that cap. So uh, Chicago Bears, just mentioned them earlier. They need a quarterback. I don't see one in the draft. They have a lot of defenders that may be able to help the Eagles. Is that something that could be an interesting trade? They got to move off of him. What are they going to do with him? Where might he land? So teams that have been mentioned or already are linked to Carson Wentz in a potential trade be a team like the Chicago Bears, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Denver Broncos. I think the perfect fit for him would be the Indianapolis Colts because they have a really great offensive line. And guess who's their uh, head coach? Reich. Reich was the same guy who was his offensive coordinator the year that he had an MVP-type season before tearing his ACL. He was also the offensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl. So he's very familiar with Carson Wentz. And since the day he walked out of that door, Carson Wentz has steadily declined. So I think that's the perfect scenario for Carson Wentz if they can find a way to get him because I know that uh, Philip Rivers' contract is only a one-year thing. He's 38, 39, so that's not going to last forever. But watch out for the Colts. But if you had to ask me top three teams, Colts, Bears, Broncos, those are the three teams to keep an eye on for Carson Wentz trade front. You know, I love that idea. Um, you mentioned Frank Reich, and he also lost his quarterback coach, John Filippo, who is now in Chicago, I believe, uh, as a quarterback coach. Again, that's not going well for him, but he doesn't have a lot to work with. But I digress. No, that Colts fit is excellent because his record post-Frank Reich is pretty atrocious, and his play, his MVP play was with Frank Reich, and then after that, he's been who he is now, um, a lot of the time just struggling and everything. So whatever it was that, Frank Reich did for him whatever plays it was that he called to be excellent. The Colts are freeing up about $46 million in cap space with the drop of Phillip Rivers, who will be gone next year, and uh, Jacoby Brissett, who's making almost $20 million against the cap. So they're going to have a lot of cap space. It'd be about a trade of $24 million for forty-six. It would work out really well for them financially. Although I was wondering if Andrew Luck was sitting on the sidelines there like, man, if they just had me, we could win the Super Bowl finally, and they got that offensive line to protect me. I wouldn't count out him coming back. Um, but when you get a quarterback, no matter who it is, I, I agree with those top three teams. When you get a quarterback with his level of potential – I think that potential is still there for the price of Teddy Bridgewater, who I like, but is very limited. I think that's a bargain for a lot of teams, and there should be a lot of teams lining up interested. With that, let's shift into our third quarter. It is time for Money Making Marv. He is here. He is ready to make you some money this week, three and two last week. Uh, he's got some really good picks against the spread, so we're not going to make you wait any longer. We're going to get into it. Marv, please give us your first money-making pick against the NFL spreads this week. Alrighty, people. So the last few weeks I've been taking underdogs. That's been my theme. But this week I flipped the script a little bit, and I'm taking favorites. I love the Chiefs, minus six and a half, at Miami. 
Uh, I believe the Dolphins don't have enough offense to keep up the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat the Broncos on Sunday Night Football by six points, 22 to 16. That spread was 13 and a half for the Chiefs at home. The Chiefs are six and a half versus Miami. The same Broncos team beat Miami. I like the Chiefs to go in there and uh, handle business and cover the six and a half. So this one is tough for me, but you're going to get disagreement. And it's not because I don't like the number. It's not because I don't like the Chiefs. I think on face value, this should be at least six and a half for the Chiefs. But the Chiefs remind me of that brilliant kid in class who gets C's because he's bored. I mean, they just don't look like they show up for games until the fourth quarter because it's so easy for them. And that is their biggest downfall. I mean, they can always come onto the field and score in 10 seconds. So it's like, yeah, whatever. We'll score later. We'll score in the fourth quarter. And the Dolphins have a good defense. They may be a little bit more of a struggle. They're well coached as well. They may be a little bit more of a struggle. I don't hate it. I just think that like giving up almost a touchdown for a team that's pretty bored and just about has the one seed in their sights, although they do have to deal with the Steelers. We'll talk about them a little bit later. I'm a little weary. Maybe maybe that uh, that uh, inspiration to get the first seed will help them out. Marv, give us your second money-making pick against the spread. Second pick, I'm taking the Cardinals. Um, fortunately, in the last five weeks, Cardinals are four are one and four. They're on a pretty bad they're going through a pretty bad slump. If it wasn't for uh, Kyler Hail Mary, or Hail Murray, as they <laughs> called it, they would be 0-5 in their last five games. I'm picking against the Giants, two and a half points. The Giants are at home. The Giants are on a four-game win streak. I know, I know. The Giants have been hot. They look good. Their defense has been unstoppable. They've been stopping people. Teams, they shouldn't be stopping. But I like the Kyler Murray to get back on track. The Cardinals are still alive in the playoff hunt. They have an opportunity. They're only about two games back for first place. So they're going to be focused. I like them to cover that two and a half points on the road versus the Giants. So I like your logic. I like how you're thinking. The motivation is much higher for the Cardinals. They really need to win this game. I don't really like the pick, though. I mean, as far as penny stocks go here, I mentioned the markets earlier. As far as NFL penny stocks go, I really like the Panthers going forward in the future. And now I really like the Giants because their defense and their coaching is so strong. And the Cardinals have looked in over their heads. So I know that they need to win this game badly, and I do believe that they have the better team. The Giants are just so hot right now. And Kyler Murray, for as much as I love him, He's been struggling. If he's not able to run, he's not doing as well as we'd all like from the pocket. So I don't know here against this defense that just shut down his uh, prototype, his protege, and Russell Wilson and held him to 12 points. <sighs> I'm a little bit weary of having to give up points here. If it was plus three, I'd probably take the Cardinals. But I'm going to take the Giants side here. So two disagreements, Marv. Not We don't disagree this hard this often. <laughs> Um, give us your third money-making pick against the spread. Third pick is a team that has been on the slump for the last few weeks. They've been struggling at home as well. They're coming off of a bye, and Tom Brady is mad. I'm taking the Bucks minus six and a half versus the Vikings. The Vikings are fighting for their playoff life. They've come on strong in the last couple of weeks. They're six and six, but they're going strength against strength. The Bucks have one of the top, if not the top, rush defense in the NFL versus the Vikings' top rushing offense. The difference in this game is going to be Tom Brady versus Kirk Cousins, and we know how Kirk Cousins does. I like the Bucks to cover six and a half. So the Vikings have been really hot lately, but they haven't played anybody. They could barely beat the Jaguars. So – this is where we get back on track here, Marv. It's back to a love fest. I really like the Buccaneers. I do have concerns about how they play at home, but Brady off of a bye, he gets much needed time to spend with his receivers, getting some timing down, better understanding the playbook. I mean, he had the same playbook for 20 years, and now it's different. I mean, that's that's a big change without an offseason. I know he's the GOAT, and I know he studies his arse off, but 
man, it's got to be tough. And that extra week of prep has really got to be helpful for him and playing against a pretty weak team in the Vikings. I really like that spread. I think the Buccaneers cover and win the football game. So we're at one and two now, Marv, on agreement. Uh, Give us your fourth money-making pick. My fourth pick, I'm going with the underdog. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, they're playing at home versus uh, the Colts. The Colts are uh, looked really good last week. But the, the Colts have been very inconsistent. After they have a big win, they go and have a letdown. And I think this week is going to be the letdown in Las Vegas. The Raiders are getting three points at home. The Raiders are looking uh, to make the playoffs this year. They're, they're that close. They're played really well this year. I mean, they almost had a letdown against the Jets. But I, I feel that they've taken that, that that uh how I say, leap. They've uh, taken that next step. And the Raiders are looking like a, a really good team going forward. Uh, once they get Jacobs back, they're going to be really good again. So I like the Raiders to cover that three-point spread at home versus the Colts. So you mentioned – the Colts side of this game, I do agree. They're kind of like, we don't know what to predict. They were good last week, so they'll probably be bad this coming week. And I agree with that. But the undercovered side of this is the Raiders and their look ahead to these Colts. They played the Jets. The Jets is kind of like playing the JV team. And they kind of looked at it as a practice, and they were probably even during their practices preparing for the Colts because, let's be honest, the Jets are hardly an NFL team. And that's why we saw them struggle so much. So the market's going to say, oh, I don't like the Raiders. They barely beat the Jets. That's why they're such a smart bet to me and why I'm giving big agreement on this one. We're two and two, Marv. Agreements to disagreements. Your fifth and final money-making pick, please. Yes, sir. So my fifth and final pick is this is a big underdog. Uh, I've been seeing a trend in the NFL lately, big underdogs especially this big underdog, has been covering the majority of their games. And it's the Jacksonville Jaguars at home versus a really bad defensive team in the Tennessee Titans. I'm taking the Jags plus eight. Not saying they're going to beat the Titans, but the last time they met, it came down to a field goal, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it's going to be a similar outcome. The Titans struggle really bad on defense. They gave up four touchdowns to Baker Mayfield in the first half. They got 40, a 40-burger 40 dropped on them at home. This time they're on the road in warm, sunny Florida. I like the Jags plus eight. You know, I was hard on the Jaguars coming into this season. I said they'd be 1-15. Then they won the first game, and I was like, oh, man, I better have to backtrack on that. And they've still only won the one game, so I might be right after all. But for as bad of a roster as they are, boy, they play hard and they play everyone tough. I mean, they were in it in the end against the Packers. They were very much in it till the turnovers against the Steelers. They played the Vikings until overtime. I know the Vikings haven't beat anyone, but they've won like four, five, six in a row, some ridiculous number. I mean, they've been hot. I like these Jaguars given points. And the reason that they were, Sometimes not covering the spread was uh, their backup quarterback, Luton. Now they have Mike Glennon, who, you know, not a big deal, but he's not turning the ball over for the most part. And if they have Minshew back, that would be an even bigger upgrade. But it's pretty funny, Marv. I text you during the game. Like, they're not playing Minshew and he's active. They're actively tanking to try and get to one of the top quarterbacks. It's very obvious and very clear. But even still, actively tanking, they're playing really hard and they are going to cover the spread here. So we end with agreement on three games, disagreement on two. Marv gives you all the insights and the picks. Now, choose wisely. Choose the ones you like the most, but he does make money as his winning season continues. And with that, let's shift into our fourth quarter. We're going to give you the quick hitters. That's right. We're going to go around the leagues. We have some NFL, NBA, a little college football talk uh we're gonna bring them to you quickly so we're not gonna wait any longer here we go marv we saw on social media the 72 dolphins remain undefeated a little celebration 
after the Steelers surprisingly dropped a game to the Washington football team. Uh, my question after seeing that was like, were you ever even really worried about the Steelers going undefeated after starting 11-0? To be honest, I always thought the Steelers were going to eventually have a hiccup down the road. Um, I looked at their schedule. I was like, well, it's pretty easy. But the way they've been playing a lot of teams, it was always really close battles. And I figured they were, they were uh, setting themselves up for a letdown eventually. They were really arrogant and really confident when they were playing these really bad teams and teams that were shorthanded like the Ravens. And I was like, eventually one of those teams is going to catch them sleeping and they're going to beat them. And to, our, to everyone's surprise, the Washington football team was that one team that played tough defense. They took them lightly, and they ended up beating them in the end of the game. Uh, I think this is going to serve as a wake-up call for the Steelers. They're really well coached. So I'm sure Mike Tomlin's going to be in everyone's ear after this loss. And it could be a blessing in disguise for the, the Steelers. They needed to, to lose a game because if they would have went undefeated going into the, into the playoffs, I felt that they were going to be a one-and-done team and they were going to be too overconfident. And now I think with this loss, they're going to be a little bit more humbled. Yeah, the Steelers, to me, they're kind of like the Cadillac of the NFL. Like, they're always consistently good. Everybody respects them. I respect them. Good car, good vehicle, luxury, nice. Steelers are a nice football team, but they're kind of like the Packers last season where Packers were 13 and three. How good did I think the Packers actually were last season? Like nine and seven, I think maybe, uh, realistically. The Steelers are 11 and one now. They were 11 and 0. They beat the JV version of the Ravens without Lamar Jackson missing like something like 20 contributors to their team. They played a lot of backup quarterbacks. Like those Packers last season, every break has just gone their way. They've won every one-score game. They've gotten everybody hurt and injured and on COVID. And that just happens to be the week that they play them. So I never thought that they were even the class of the AFC, honestly. Um, they're still going to be competitive. They're going to be a playoff team. They might even be the number one seed. Uh, but I don't think of them in the same breath as Kansas City. Uh, I still think Tennessee, after their bad week, is better. Uh, even in the division, if Cleveland Browns weren't the Cleveland Browns and found every way in the book to lose – um, I think the, the Browns are, are better than them. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward. But up next, the NBA starts soon, Marv. They're starting preseason in about a week. Uh, James Harden is sitting out of camp. He's still pushing for a trade. He said he'd be okay with the trade to the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I kind of think trading somebody that great is preposterous. But do you think a Harden trade is actually on the table? I believe so. If the 76ers are winning, willing to trade on Ben Simmons, then we can see a trade happening uh, between the 76ers and the Houston Rockets. That's the only way I can see it going down, only because uh, the Houston Rockets are going to be looking to restart their whole culture. Uh, I've heard rumors that Harden's not liking what's going on in the background there in Houston. He says the culture has been destroyed. He, went, he even went as far as saying Houston is uh, the Knicks of the South, which is a little gripe here, a little swipe at my Knicks. But, I mean, I get what he's saying, you know. Uh, they have new ownership. A lot of players have come and gone. And it's not the same as it was a few years ago when everybody was happy and the Rockets were making the playoffs every year. So I can see why he wants to jump ship from a sinking ship. So, the only way I see a trade going down is the 76ers offer up Ben Simmons. Yeah, I know one of the cultural issues in Houston, we talked about it before briefly, is this issue with James Harden and the owner Tillman Fertitta having a political differences. Like in America, I guess we can't get along if we have political differences anymore, which is sad. Um, it's basketball. It's not politics. But they don't seem to get along, and it seems to be something personal going on there, which is why I bring it up. I know Tillman Fertitta is a bit of a blowhard, um, not a big fan of him. But, man, I don't know how you could move on from a superstar like James Harden. Uh, just 50 points any given night. I don't know. I guess you trade him for Ben Simmons. I just I don't see the reality or the possibility of this actually happening. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Maybe a Simmons for 
Harden trade is on the table. And next, Marv, the Ohio State-Michigan football game has been canceled. Michigan has a problem with COVID. I have a growing suspicion that Michigan gave themselves COVID so that they wouldn't lose 97 to zero. No, I'm kidding. I know they have real COVID concerns. Um, that's not a joke at all um, because some of their players have a disease, a, a virus, whatever. Um, but now Ohio State is not, meet, uh, not reaching the minimum for the Big Ten championship. Uh, what's going to go on with the college football playoff in the Big Ten? What do you see happening here? Well, earlier I did see there was a um, – ranking for college football and uh, playoffs. And I didn't notice Ohio State is still in the top ten, top five, I'm sorry. So it looks like they're not uh, letting this uh, deter them from putting Ohio State in the college football playoffs. Um, they know, you know, I'm sure the um, committee knows that this whole COVID thing is out of their hands and it's not their fault, so they're not penalizing them. Uh, as we've seen the times that Ohio State has taken the field, they've been really great. They've come out and they've uh, you know gotten it done. So I, I, I take kudos to the college football playoff committee for that, and I think they should you know allow Ohio State to be in the top five rankings, even if they don't meet the minimum uh, games played. And to add to that, I think that the Big Ten should change it up. I don't know how you can have a conference championship without the best team in your conference. That sounds insane. It sounds ridiculous. Um, this is a crazy season. To be honest with you, college football has been hard to watch. It's a lot about the fans, um, more so than other sports. I think the NBA and college football need fans the most. NBA, they have fans on the floor. They're really part of the game. I think of your Knicks, Marv, and Spike Lee, um, that was that's literally a story to this day, 25 years ago, a fan and a player going at it that affected the outcome of a game, <laughs> or so the legend goes. And college football, home field advantage is like nothing else you've ever seen. It's so loud you can't even hear yourself, and you're dealing with 19-year-old kids. Uh, it's been a difficult year, uh, but I, I do think that they're doing the best that they can, and they will get it right eventually. Ohio State will be in the Final Four as they are one of the best four teams and they have the second-best quarterback in the country. So we all want to watch that. Um, last but not least, Marv, we talked a lot about Carson Wentz just a few minutes ago. But uh, let's talk about that guy who's actually starting there. Jalen Hurts gets the nod. He's going up against Sean Payton's Saints. How do you think he'll play this week as a starting quarterback? I think he will do well as long as Doug Peterson has a offensive game plan suited to his strengths. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he struggles. The Saints are bringing in a top three, if not top defense. And they're really good. They've been giving a lot of people fits all year. That's the reason why they're, I believe, 9-2 and two or 10-2. and two. They have a really good record. They've won nine straight games. And it's not because of the offense. It's because of their defense. They've been shutting teams down. Uh, they shut down the Falcons again uh, two times out of three weeks, and the Falcons have a high-octane offense. So I really like what the Saints are doing on defense, not you know, not to hate on uh, Hurts. I really like Hurts' uh, potential. Uh, I think he gives the Eagles a better chance to win right now than Carson Wentz due to the fact that they have no weapons. So Hurts having that second element of being able to run around and make plays with his leg – Legs, some excuse me, uh, makes him a little bit more valuable than Wentz for that offense. And so I think he'll have a decent game. He'll be up and down throughout the game, but they're not beating the Saints. <laughs> He's getting thrown to the Wolves, and I feel bad that this is going to be his first start, but I mean, it is what it is. This is the NFL, and this is 2020. Yeah, so the positives here are that he is more mobile than Carson Wentz. Now, when you said that on face value, I'm like, eh, I mean, Carson Wentz is very mobile. But then again, this season, I haven't seen him moving around a lot because of all those injuries. I don't know if he's incapable of it, or I think more so he's just afraid to do it so that he won't get injured again. Uh, 
there's certain quarterbacks that just know how to get out of the way and get down like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. And there's guys like him who just get hit all the time and they get injured. Um, and, and Doug Peterson really like him as a coach. I think he will have a strong game plan, but I am a critic of the saints. But as I mentioned last week, I really like their defense and this is not the game to start your second round rookie quarterback. A little bit of a mess here. I'm concerned about the direction of the Eagles and the pressure truly from ownership, as I mentioned earlier. But uh, I wish Jalen Hurts the best. I wish Carson Wentz the best. I, we, we want all these guys to succeed uh, in their careers and in their endeavors. So hope he does well. That, folks, is the end of our show. We thank you all for listening. We appreciate any feedback that you have, including leaving reviews, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, however you may be listening. That really helps us out. Follow along with us on Twitter at JMOTBPod, at MTOTBPod. And I should plug um, the story that I did on Medium. I'll put it up on Twitter again and on our Facebook. Um, getting a lot of clicks still about the Chicago Bears. I wrote a piece about uh, six months, to maybe a year ago, about how the Bears were built on a house of cards. And it's certainly come to fruition. And people are finding that interesting as I get a report every week. I'm like, wow, a lot of people are still looking at that. It's an old article, but still rings very true, I guess, for a lot of people keeping an eye on it. Marv, do you have anything else for the people? As Jonathan mentioned, uh, keep reaching out to us on social media. We do appreciate each and every one of the interactions we have with each and every one of you. Um, if you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we love hearing from each and every one of you. And we appreciate you. Keep giving us those five-star reviews. That helps us out a lot and get getting discovered. And enjoy another week of uh, football and uh, soon-to-be NBA preseason. Yes, the NBA is getting started. Really excited about that. I know the season always starts a little bit slow, but as we build up towards the playoffs, it's going to be extra exciting this year, actually, because I think we have uh, 70 games instead of 82. So every game is going to mean a little bit more, and we're going to get to the meat of the season quicker. So we'll have some commentary on that as the season progresses. We'll also be covering the NFL until the very end. We're excited to get into this playoff time of year we're not gonna like it's a little slow here we kind of know the end of the movie we know the Steelers and the Chiefs and and the Raiders and we know who's good uh, we know the NFC we know the Packers are good it's kind of kind of slow in the end of the year but we're really excited for the crescendo of the season we'll keep bringing you the news and with that people we will talk to you next week later people Hold up.